0: Oh
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Tonight's guest is a fellow Temple University alumna, musician, writer, and, I guess, all-around artist. Uh, About a week or two ago, he sent me a PDF of his book that he's here to talk about this evening. It's called The Panic Years. I immediately, like, related to it because it's about musicians. And without spoiling the plot, I could tell you within the first few pages it's it takes place with like a band like at the end of their like you know one guy's just like god i'm so exasperated with this lifestyle and i totally got it right away and the writing to me was so like it it had a lot of depth to it and it just had so much that i could relate to so immediately i was like you gotta come on the show so with that being said please welcome episode 172's guest mr daniel defranco Hey everybody! Uh,
0: one seventy-two is my lucky number. I didn't. This is. Is it really? This is serendipitous. You're gonna be kidding.
1: Me. I'm gonna go play the lottery on my way home. Oh my god! Can you imagine if you yeah. won? Like you just stopped by Seven Eleven and you're like, "All right, let me get you this could, number." I, I feel like I'd have to like, be a patron of the Bobcast. You you would. Yeah. Um, on I, I thing that it just you made me think of is uh, my neighbor. I can't reveal his name because his secrets would be out there. But I could tell you, his number he bets on the lino every night is one two three and he wins that's insane yeah I mean like if you play it 365 days a year it's gonna come out once at least right I mean I don't, I don't, I'm not a mathematician I don't do uh, those odds work out oh I forgot to mention too you're also a teacher right English and music English English and music yeah. so you still do both together
0: or first day is uh, first half of the day is English second half is music how'd I just it's like a that? mullet
1: how'd you score that I'm sorry? How did you get that? How did you score it?
0: Pure chance. They needed it? Uh, yeah. Um, where do you teach at? It's a charter school in North Philly called Multicultural Academy. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I've heard of it.
0: Yeah. Um, um, a buddy of mine was teaching English there. I'm, I'm schooled in uh, English. My degree is in secondary ed for English.
1: That's something we both share. I'm yeah. um, secondary ed social studies. Yeah. Um,
0: so I was subbing for a while, and my buddy was an English teacher there. There was no music, so it's like, hey, uh, let's start a program. So I did it for free for like a year, and mm-hmm. we put on a big concert. And the school's like, well, this is pretty
1: cool. Let's do this, like That's for pretty, real. Yeah. I was like, okay. So you, you enjoy both subjects you teach. Then. Yeah, I can only imagine what it's like to just like cut loose at the end of the day with some music, you know? Uh, it's th- it's in an old Catholic school, so mm-hmm.
0: the, uh, the the core classes are in the the school proper, and then they converted the convent into the art wing. So like I actually oh, cross pretty. a threshold into a completely different building, so it's, gotta
1: it's be like amazing. my
0: own little chamber of of just uh, there's no oversight. We're the DeFranco universe. Yes. Yeah. Did they call you
1: Mr. DeFranco? Or yeah, Mr. I've, been,
0: I've been really pulling for maestro, but no nice. one's no one's biting.
1: Nice. I, I, I've been called both. I've been called Mr. Cahill and Bob. Right. I worked at a private school where they, you know, they just called me straight up my first name. Yeah. Uh, at first, it was really odd, too, because like, I was like, what? But then I got used to it. And they also didn't ask to use the bathroom, or excuse me, use the hall pass. You know they just I mean? go? Just go. And for coming from a public school setting, I was just like, yo, where's the lav pass? Where's the lavatory pass, <laughs> you know? What high school did you go to? Saul. Okay, cool. In Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Did you have to use a laboratory pass? Man,
0: I feel like you had it's so long. Things were uh, starting to slip away from me.
1: I know. And it I, happens.
0: I don't remember. I feel like I used a bathroom.
1: I don't think we had a pass. I remember distinctly our hall pass. It was red and had like, it like, held this like blue like card in it, and like everybody would write their name on it, and then like the teacher wouldn't check it. And then like, you know, you'd like scroll down the column, and all of a sudden it would say like, you know, eat a dick or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like the, the early forms of uh, vandalism and graffiti. Uh, so Temple, right? You graduated yep. from Temple. What, what year did you graduate from there? Oh, seven. Okay. So I was 2004. Oh. Yeah. I went back. Um, mm mm-hmm.
0: Well, you graduated high school in 98
1: 98 yeah Yeah,
0: i graduated in 97 um and then i went to community for music okay and i cool. was like and that's in between community and temples when when we met uh at the plymouth meeting mall
1: that's right we did what were we doing there working What did you work Oof, where didn't I? I worked uh, a lot of places there, too. Yeah, yeah. It
0: was at the, the coffee shop, Bucks County. I think
1: you were, oh were at yeah. Ritz Camera. I was at Ritz, yes. Now yeah. it's all coming back to me. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, now I remember everything. Yeah, and we then, talked about music. We and then about voice music. effects. What's that? Voice, voice effects. Voice effects, yes. I've never spoken about voice effects with anybody else in this world until now. That job uh, was such an odd... Thing. Uh, how do you describe? It? So basically, we would listen to people spell out their last names for credit cards. Essentially. And like, like so. In other words, they call in and we would verify their last name. And I swear, everything suddenly like Hask. a You cheat, or and I'd be like, what? And then the worst part about it, I remember too, is I remember we had two bosses. I can't recall their names. One was definitely Bob. Or yeah, Rob, pop, Rob, and Rob. the oh, guy looked like little short a dude. I can draw him. I, yeah. I can draw him. Pop like, his head pop, like, yeah, he Papa head up like yeah. this. He'd always, he always he'd be like, "Yeah, Dave. Oh my God, good this memory is, on you, man." No,
0: this is uh, this is uh, the the uh, the, what are we looking for? The uh, oh yeah, um, there's a thing for this. It's not. It's like whatever inspires nostalgia. There's a there's a trigger.
1: Man, I haven't thought about that. I remember I worked there. So I worked at Voice Effects Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and it worked Starbucks Tuesdays and Thursdays. Voice Effects, you would, uh, you would be judged on how well you could hear the people's last names. There would be like a little sheet mm-hmm. on the on the wall, like you know, ninety percent, you still got a job. Below sixty percent, they would You're, cut it, you. Later. I got cut. I got cut. Ooh, I couldn't. I couldn't make out the etch it you
0: never know or you, you never thought about how similar f's and s's sounded like oh, until yeah. your job depends on it
1: do, actually i do recall that do you remember going to their christmas party it was at um oh, what's the name of that place up in uh king of prussia it's like an italian joint do you did you go, No, i didn't go party? Oh, so i worked with these women right like uh they were in my like cubicle mm-hmm. And I forget both their names, but I recall them very much. They got so drunk that evening. I got drunk that evening. And uh, occasionally, like, I'll pass her house here in Country Hockett if I'm cutting through. And I'm just like, man, I haven't seen you in probably 18, 17 years. But I wonder if she would remember me. You know, her husband didn't care for me much. But those were the good old days. And I I really I worked at Ritz, too. So, like, it was like, I think I worked at voice effects first. Then I went to Ritz. I love Ritz camera though. No, you are Ritz. I was like, I? Because I, it's all, it's all blur. It, it mm-hmm. really is. I worked at Sam Goody too. Yeah. I only you did work at Sam Goody. <laughs> yeah. and Sam, Sam Goody now, FYE, tried to like rehire mm-hmm. me the other day. Yeah. That's I funny. I was talking to the employees and they were like, uh, so w- when you want to start? I'm like, I can't. They're like, well, yeah. well how old are you? I'm like, I'm 39. And they're like, what? You are? You look young too, by the way. I, I thank you. Yeah, um,
0: just turned 39 in December, and you just celebrated a birthday like last. I
1: celebrate. Week. I, I rounded up next week. I turn 39, okay. but you know, well, happy birthday. Um, thank you. Um, my by son's gonna be yeah, three, so like I, I kind of live through my son now. I don't really even think about uh, mm-hmm. aging really. You know, it's just a state of mind. But Ritz Camera, I was talking to uh, somebody the other day. They asked me what my favorite job was, and I was like, I love doing the photos, man. I was like. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all wrapped into one, man. They they would never treat you with disrespect because you were in charge of their memories, you know? And uh, I, I missed that, man. You were in the satellite shop in Bosco. I was, and I was yeah. like solo, and I was out yeah. there just doing my own thing, which was an amazing, mm. you know, I was like... A young kid just, like, walking around the mall. They'd be paging me all the time. Bob, please report to the <laughs> counter of Ritz camera. They and the crazy thing, is still the same. And you know what's odd? Okay, so, like, where I, my little island was, uh, they have, uh, uh, what is it, like, uh, made for TV. you seen this on TV. They have all the stuff, like, in my original spot. But if you walk by the third aisle, you still see the stain that I created. So, like, we would have to use these chemicals to do the the, the one-hour mm-hmm. photo. And one time I just tripped. And I got that shit all over the rug, man. Like I'm talking, like stained deep, and like a, a, a chemical burned it, yeah. probably. And uh, it's been there ever since. And I feel pretty good about that. It, my only lasting impression at the mall
0: that I left is in uh, what used to be Pacific Sunwear, PacSun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's now the comic book shop.
1: Yes, on candy. Um,
0: we got new flip-flops in. I'm not a flip-flop man. I don't really, I don't mm-hmm. wear them. But I, I tried them on because they were new. That was a new stock. Some new, mm-hmm. uh, some Reefs. You gotta put those on. Oh yeah, I remembered it. <laughs> so yeah. I, I put him on i was we started uh playing this game who can kick the flip-flop the furthest
1: oh yeah, and, okay. uh, yeah i think i recall this game as well
0: i did not win mine went straight up and it took off a giant chunk of the styrofoam like fake uh like like a beam it's supposed to be you know like it's iron like it's a bridge or something Oh yeah, yeah yeah. so if you go into the comic book shop up on the right side there's a oh, mark yeah that's
1: that's my acid stain man i forgot about pacific somewhere are they still in bi- or paxon are they still in business there's one the like king of pressure mall yeah. maybe right it was like all the, like the place to get the cool clothing you mm-hmm. know like after uh i guess like even before our era there was like a stand in the 90s there in the plummeting mall where you would get like your concert t-shirts it was mm-hmm. like a swirled world type thing it's funny we were talking about this man because i was just mentioned as a co-worker to, uh i think just this morning like the nineties had some really weird shit for fashion. It had, um, two shirts, and this may sound strange to any millennials that are listening, two shirts that would never fly today in uh, our politically correct atmosphere, Politically correct atmosphere. Uh, Big Johnson t-shirts and co-ed naked t-shirts. And <laughs> this is something I haven't thought about in maybe 25 years, you know, but the these shirts were like, everywhere, huh? man. Everybody had one. I didn't have one because my parents were like, no, 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 that's a mortal sin, Bob. You're wearing something about a dick on your shirt. You're going straight to hell. Um... But yeah, like, you know, like we thought that we were like, you know, so bubbled. But I mean, like today you can't really say shit without getting in trouble. But I mean, like we had big Johnson shirts, Mm -hmm. which is just insane. Yeah, we
0: sold quite a few shirts like that at uh, Pacific Sunwear. Just
1: a weird place to work. Whatever happened to um, whatever happened to Bucks County Coffee? Just I think it closed. Why couldn't any coffee place in that mall ever work? I think lack of over... I, I know why Bucks County didn't work. People were robbing it blind. Oh, uh, yeah?
0: What were they doing? Uh, that's, uh, you know, you memorize the prices for, you
1: know, the, the beverages, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's 287 sir. Yeah, yeah. Keep a little tally next to... <laughs> it was before, like, digital sales were mm-hmm. really calculated, yeah. But I mean, like, I remember, like, Bucks County coffee, and then I remember Starbucks was there, and, like, how does Starbucks not work? mcdonald's is gone too I mean, mcdonald's is gone i remember just... when they built that and it was like oh my god the only thing that's still standing from our era is uh sarku japan subway is there too subway yeah, yeah I forgot about two, subway. The there's sandwiches and sarku what else in that mall i think it. i mean the fact that Strawbridge and Clothier, then macy's is gone and now it's becoming some sort of like entertainment complex mm-hmm. it's just strange but there's a lot of my life that's definitely like uh resigns resides in that that mall, you know.
0: It's it's another life ago, mm-hmm. man. It's uh I, I look back at that time of my life yeah, we were young men. I had mm-hmm. these great dreams ahead of me, like what I wanted to be in life and um I think it was all fodder for, for writing Panic Years as well. Like it's mm-hmm. somehow these dreams that you had for yourself that just are you gonna be the thing that you promised yourself as a kid you were gonna be?
1: I know, and like and it's kind of difficult. <laughs> so we both share. I mean, we haven't seen each other in a long time, but um, we both were musicians and we were both mm. in bands. I could tell immediately from reading like the first chapter or two that you know as much as I know about the you know behind the scenes of mm-hmm. uh, being a musician. Like you know, it's all great for the people who see you on stage for forty-five minutes, but there's so much shit that comes along with it that it's such a you know, it it can be like very conflicting. At least it was for me. I'd like to know what your experience was in being in bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
0: the good times are 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 great, uh, and I think the longer you're in a band, those good times are only exist on the stage. Um, and you're you're dancing and you're smiling, you're just jamming with your buddies up there. And the next practice, you're at each other's throats. Yeah, you know, um, they're relationships and they're tough. Very, tough. especially when like they're not working mm-hmm. you know you put everything into a, uh, a creative project with this goal of whatever your goal is as a band mm-hmm. and uh, when it doesn't happen you start lashing out at each other because mm-hmm. surely the blame can't be your own it's got to be one of the other four people in your band mm-hmm. or five or
1: how many how many did you have um oh, which band how many bands have you been in
0: I've been in quite a few notable uh, early '20s band. That was there were four of us. This was when we were gigging together. We had that gig yeah. at um, was in Pontiac the, Grill? Pontiac, yeah. Yeah, um, it's probably might have been the one of the last times I saw you. It's funny.
1: Before it was before MySpace.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fuck. Um, yeah. And, and then those people was my last like real. It was almost an accident. Mm-hmm. It was like thirty. 31 i was like oh, I started bad i miss it so i got some buddies together and uh it just kind of snowballed into a thing like what oh, was actually... the
1: name of that group though the one that we played that i forget the name the one that yeah
0: in the early 20s oh, mm-hmm. uh we were called synthesia
1: yeah I remember yeah. Not, yeah yeah i had some fucking sweet licks <laughs> I, I i have like a visual memory so i remember seeing that on a flyer and thinking like wow that's a brilliant word it's not a real word <laughs> <laughs> you fooled me yeah you know
0: It's a misspelling, I think, for one of our first gigs. I know
1: know what you're talking about, though, like that urge to create. Mm -hmm. And also, like, you know, coming from, uh, like, I write, too, as well. I I do screenplays, not novels. So, like, I understand the creative process. And uh, it's an ongoing theme here on the Bobcast about how it's such a torture to be an artist. You know, like, if you're not creating something, you feel like you're, you know, it's like you're gaining, like, a... you're gaining like a personality weight on you. Like, you, you could feel like your, your body craving that creativity. And if you don't get it, then you just feel like a sloth or something like that.
0: And I, yeah, I can say with writing, it's a thing that I'd always wanted to do. Uh, even when, Like writing and music came to me around the same time. I was like six years old, and they just both were uh, just a thing that I was like, I need to do both mm-hmm. of those. But as a young man, being a rock star was way more attractive. So that that got like the first, yeah, the first, the act. first up there, right? Yeah. Um, so the next best thing is I can't be. Yeah, I'm not gonna be a rock star, but I, I can at least write about it.
1: So that, that's mm-hmm. sort of my homage to, to to that life. Yeah. I, I... And you also became a teacher like me too, which is insane Mm -hmm. because it's like, that's almost like being a rock star in a way. You know what I mean? more like an actor every day. You really are an actor. And uh, I talk to people all all the time about that. Like uh, I'd I'd work with teachers who just had no personality, Mm -hmm. you know, like they were just a blank stare up there in front of the class. And being a musician and a teacher hand in hand, it's like, you know, you're performing in a way, but I totally get the acting thing. And then as you start to like, you know, I mean the music industry I mean Jesus I I can tell just from like the tone of Panic Years like you probably have the same feelings that I do about when you were a kid and you like listened or watched MTV or you went to the store and bought a CD like the dream that you thought would happen to you didn't happen because of the course of the way technology went and you know current events like in our you know 99 Napster I guess right like everything changed you know yeah and I don't think in my own story I can underestimate
0: the power of writing really bad songs yeah you know, it's I, I gotta take some ownership and, mm-hmm. and and then also the failure to realize that just because you want something like so much mm. like that's not enough to make it happen you actually there's there's steps that you have to take and I doubt and frankly I didn't know what those steps were I just thought well you just have to practice a lot and wanted enough and then somebody uh, will be at your gig and be like, hey, you guys, you boys
1: want a record deal? Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. you know. Like what we saw like, in movies. In, like movies. I yeah. mean, Airheads like really affected me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, okay, if uh, we don't make it, we're yeah. going to, you know, go hold the the radio station hostage and then, uh, you know, somebody's going to show up from uh, record company. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there the, There is wisdom in that movie. Not maybe their tactics, but uh, Brendan Fraser's character, he says, I'm paraphrasing, uh, you know, I'm average enough that I think I can write a song for for the ages, you for know, for the people.
1: For the ages that'll last, yeah. Yeah. The Lone Ragers. Yeah. It's great. It's Three. great. Um, everything about that movie. I saw that uh, in uh, the Andorra shopping center. I had a movie theater. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that night. I was like, I cannot wait till that comes out. On tape. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it over and over again. And I bought it and I watched it over and over again. And I still own that VHS copy. That's great. Um, but yeah, like stuff like that, MTV, um, just the, the lore of being a rock star. Like my earliest memories of like the consumption of like music was uh, when Michael Jackson's bad CD came out. It was in that long plastic, you know, sleeve type mm-hmm. thing. And it was at Clover. Like uh, Clover had this music section. Clover was like a a Walmart before Walmart for the people who don't know. And uh, I remember just seeing so many people go and like pull that cassette out, you know, and just be like, or CD, you know, and like, I got to have it. I got to have it. I was like, oh, they really, they love it. You know, I want to be a part of that. Like, you know, Uh, and the music industry was not that for me. At least my perspective was, uh, I mean, we had peaked around 2006 or seven. And then it just nobody nobody cared you know what i mean like the fans did but uh like record companies were just like well how many people do you have at your shows it's like well what like do you think we're talented it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you have talent how many people follow you how many how many followers do you have i was in
0: another band called panic years um, yes. Then I, I ripped the title off from them. That's they they were cool with it. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was too good of a name, and mm-hmm. I was in that band. So I do remember that
1: band. Yeah, actually, yeah.
0: Um, they were good, mm-hmm. and uh, I was fortunate enough to join them. I actually, has a bass player, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot about how the business works uh, through that experience because they had made it further than I had in any of their previous band. Um, and it was it was eye opening to 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 realize like how much what you really need is like a promoter or somebody just to say mm-hmm. put these kids on the stage because of X, Y, and Z and it's got little to do with, with the music it's got little to do with you know uh, not to counter what you said it could have little to do with how many people are coming to the shows mm-hmm. you know if the, the, uh, somebody needs to see a sparkle and whatever that is, then they you're the next thing, and then people follow that. And it doesn't matter if your songs is good. If you're, or, um, tons of bands get a big draw, and they're not getting, they're not getting label attraction.
1: Oh yeah, I mean now they're doing it themselves, though. I mean yeah. this, I'm very fascinated by like the, the SoundCloud generation of rappers coming up. You know, like these, like uh, Supreme Patty, uh, Damn Long Neck, and all these young kids who are like 19, 20 years old just making shit on GarageBand, popping it on there and getting millions of hits and then getting all sorts of, you know, residuals from, you know, advertising people's products or something like that. So the music industry has really changed in that Mm -hmm. sense is that social media has incorporated itself into it, whereas you and I enjoyed it very much in its original, you know... Intention, I guess, like, you know, listening to it on headphones, record, tape, CD. Liberal
0: use of the word enjoy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, a, I guess consuming it, it was very organic, and I would never trade that experience mm-hmm. for being able to take my phone out now and just go bloop and get anything I want. I'd, I'd love the idea of, of discovering a physical disc mm-hmm. and, hey, man, can I, can I tape that? You know? Yeah,
1: or um, could you, could you uh, make me a mixtape? Yeah. Uh, And that was such a special thing, you know, now it's just like can you burn me CD? Whatever, you know I
0: I was just reading an article two weeks ago. Maybe last week Uh, Drake has Surpassed the Beatles for the most number one uh, Hits in a year. It's
1: insane, right? It is
0: so I I did more digging Um, First of all three of the songs aren't his songs. He was featured. It was like someone else's song that he was on So I think that's an asterisk But it got me thinking about what's a number one hit, because for the Beatles it was yes it was or, yeah, yeah but it was spins on on air and then sales. people are just streaming like the the how they how they count a play or st- is so different it's really different,
1: and it's odd, right because like we don't know if they're telling us the truth yeah you know nobody knows i mean zuckerberg like holds the keys of the kingdom <laughs> i mean like the fact that you have to pay for an advertisement now you know like when we were coming up it was like okay give me some staples and some flyers and some telephone poles let's do it organically you know and now it's like i feel bad for the kids that got to spend all this money just to reach another demographic you know like it's just odd. I mean, I grew up with, like, all, like, the eras of music, you know, like, um, obviously the Beatles, you know, and then, like, the psychedelic stuff that my, my mom taught me about. I mean, I, when Nirvana came out, I was just like, oh, wow, like, this is, and then, like, all the bands that followed afterwards, I thought for sure that something like that would happen every five, seven years, and then when it didn't, I was like, oh, shit, uh, there's nothing else coming up that's, you know, going to revolutionize the culture, you know? Do you think that's our perspective? Do you think mm, I don't know? I mean, like, if if you if you went to like all the continents mm-hmm. and you like asked who's the most popular person, like for me, like right now, what's starting to change is I'm not recognizing all the uh, names on like uh, a fly like the Governor's Ball, like uh, mm-hmm. lineup just came out. I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just getting older, but I mean, like, I definitely don't think there's something that's like shook the music industry like Nirvana. I mean, one could argue that. um I mean, Coldplay or bands like that, that that like, you know, people can see all around the world, but I, I don't know. I'm gonna,
0: I, I'd am going i argue that what's shaking the musical world right now is is your Drake's and your... um
1: Lil the, Wayne's?
0: Yeah, no, not Lil Wayne. Uh, who's, uh, I'm drawing a blank now. He's got the tattoos all over so his Post, Post Malone.
1: Oh, Post Malone, yeah. These, he's actually
0: a good singer. Yeah, he's actually very organic. Well, Drake's not very organic, but a guy like Post Malone sitting in his room puts out a thing on SoundCloud and... Mm-hmm people eat it up i think that's what's shaking it up now we might just be too old to uh, our native environment is not online
1: yeah it's gone so i mean i, I still like study you know i mean like I, I didn't know who mac miller was until he passed away and then mm-hmm. i was shocked to find that he actually was very talented uh I, his album uh, swimming um i downloaded it and i was just like wow this it's a shame you know like dude, this kid had you know potential But I mean I'd love to see like another band come up um and just be explosive like that you know I mean like it seems that any band that comes along like I was reading a spin uh, article the other day on Imagine Dragons and they were just talking all sorts of shit on them saying how much they suck because they did the Clemson Alabama Mm -hmm. college halftime show or whatever and they were like this is the worst band in the world and it's like more people talk about how bad bands are than good at least spin does that at Rolling Stone not so much but um like doing like the Panic Years and doing all those bands and stuff like that. Like, when did you start to gestate the idea in your mind that one day you would write a novel?
0: I think I always knew I was going to write a novel, even when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. It's just good. There's, I think, there's deep things within us that we know we're always going to do, or at least we want to do. And I, th- I think you just need the catalyst. And that's the word I was thinking of earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the catalyst to to help you realize those dreams. And sometimes a catalyst is you you meet the right people and you start a band. Uh, For me, a catalyst was I had to go back to school if I wanted to continue being a teacher to get a master's. And I wasn't going to go for education. I wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. So I went for creative writing to to kind of fuel um, uh, that passion of writing, which I kind of took a deep dive in in my late 20s. So I was writing, you know, some bullshit stories and my mentor at the school, Josh Izzard, uh, uh, was like, well, why don't you start writing, you know, I, I think I, maybe I wrote something about music and he's like, well, this is, this is really good. You seem to uh, know what you're talking about. And as a music lover, but not a musician, this is very interesting to me. So why don't you explore these things a little bit more? And I was like, all right. Um, and there's that old uh, worn saying, write what you know. Mm-hmm. and my whole life the thing that i've known the most has been music so um it's sort of a long answer that's 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 where it came from i just started writing it and i was a little older i was 32 i think when i started writing the book 32 or three um, yeah that's great so i definitely had some sort of perspective i was not like in the mix mm-hmm. I, I
1: i wasn't 23 and going for it. Yeah. You so see, you've experienced everything like, you know, the, the five o'clock sound check and the show starts at 10, uh, three drink tickets for, you know, a band of five and like all the, the weird things that yeah. come along the band's path. I mean, I definitely, like, Gucci is a real person, right?
0: well yeah the the person of Jason Gooch is a real, he is a real person, he's a real but person but as okay. he exists yeah. in the
1: book is is uh, fictional I love the fictional uh, character that's the one that I identify with I, I think that everybody should we'll put a link here where they could uh, purchase the book I don't want to spoil the plot but I mean like in a nutshell I mean like I think that the dialogue was really it's written really well for somebody who is a musician or a fan of music to see just what goes into this struggle you know it's its a lot more than just practice you know like
0: playing your instrument and writing songs is easy. is, is yeah. what? it's easy as compared to like the rest yeah. of the stuff it's not me. the hard it's not the hard yeah. part of being yeah. in a band yeah yeah
1: what would you say the hardest part of being in a band is? other people yeah finding the right chemistry right? yeah whether it's chemistry. like
0: yeah getting along or they bring out the best in you as a musician
1: yeah. um, and for a lot of bands they that never happens mm-hmm. um, they, it really does come down to like I always think that like the band really has to gel as a unit it can't be like one guy's in the corner or like you know it, like, they, they all have to have a mutual respect for each other mm-hmm. I only had one band like that where I felt that, that there was like potential and I know exactly how sad it is when it doesn't come true to Mm -hmm. fruition and stuff. The feeling doesn't go away, you know? And like, I mentioned to you like, uh, recently that, um, yeah, I think I want to like, you know, retire from it, you know, I'm getting older, you know, I got a kid and I got a job and just like, I mean like even last, the last podcast I did, I think last Thursday I was talking about it, you know, like I haven't, picked up the bass in a while and I think it just took me saying that to go pick up the bass
0: just listen to that I was gonna ask you about yeah. that
1: I, I, I don't know what it did I was just like oh, I gotta I gotta go pick it up do I still have it you know cause it's been like it, it was probably like three four months maybe that I, I just didn't touch it I was playing drums but I I didn't touch the bass I picked it up and it was like muscle memory this shit don't go away you know what I mean like
0: if, if I wasn't a music teacher mm-hmm. and I uh, I probably would not be playing electric guitar Mm-hmm. Like really, at all, and even the electric guitar I do play at school is is like a a bastardized version of it 's almost an insult to yeah. to all the hours I spent on the edge of my bed, like honing my craft
1: mm-hmm. um, it really does come down i mean like practice is like i mean it's an important thing like band practice is great, but if you don 't keep up with your chops, mm-hmm. you know practicing maybe even just five, ten minutes a day to become reacquainted with it i mean. You lo- You can lose it, you know? You could definitely lose time and, you know, practice. But, I don't know, music, it's just such a weird thing for me because it's just like, it's the source of a lot of positivity in my life, but it's also the source of a lot of negativity in my life. And the negative stuff, I think, stems from all the bullshit that happened before you take the stage or, you know, after you take mm-hmm. the stage. And, you know, not all of it was bad, but, I mean, like, a lot of it was just, like, It's on how, like, you would go to a venue and, like, you'd be met with such disrespect, you know? Like, uh, I was uh, ejected from Bam Margera's Club The Note in Westchester once. Mm -hmm. Granted, I was drunk, but they were total dicks to us and they locked us out the back door in the pouring rain and all our gear was getting wet, you know? But, like, little shit like that just doesn't go away. And this is, like, 10 years ago and I still think about it like, those sons of bitches, you know? Why are, you
0: know, you you look at the club, why are you, why do you have musicians here then? Why do you... If this is how you're going to Mm -hmm. treat the people that your establishment is
1: inviting in... Pay to play? Like, what? Oh, Oh, my God. Pay to play uh, is just the worst because it's just... It's alive and well. I'll tell you that. The other thing, too, is as I got older, too, I just stopped wanting to invite my friends. I didn't want my friends to come because they felt like, you know, uh, it's my duty to make sure that Bob has an audience or I'm I'm just going to support my friend. Mm -hmm. Like, I just wanted people to enjoy the music, you know, and I didn't want them to be my friends, really. You know, like, I... I would talk to anybody gladly who enjoyed the music, but there's nothing worse than being like, I need to sell 15, 20 tickets to play this place. Like what?
0: We stopped doing that. Um, So the, the, in those people was the band I was in last. And we we made a pretty good run of it, like almost by accident. Uh, We got to the point where we were not, we weren't playing games with any clubs. Um, And it was really refreshing to kind of put that stuff aside. It's like, if you want us to play, here's here's our terms or we'll we'll find another venue um i mean and we play decent venues so there are places out there that mm-hmm. do respect
1: the band it definitely is yeah i mean just the bad ones stick out but i mean there's a lot that was really respectful towards us yeah chris low iron door saloon thank you
0: <laughs> they're they're easy to get into you know, or they, they come after you and you think you're a hot shot because like, ooh, the Trocadero wants us to play.
1: Oh my God. You know, you just took the words right up. Yeah. Praying Madness Entertainment. This yeah. guy's still going around. I can't even yeah. remember his name. But he uh, he books the Trocadero and, and if you're a young band and you wanna play the Trocadero at three, 3 right? PM on a Sunday. Sell fifty tickets. Sell sell fifty tickets. Yeah. We're gonna give you a uh, hundred bucks if you know, if you're lucky. And he collects all that money. And for what? And the other thing too is like with the music industry or the music scene in general, too. There's lots of people who, you know, there, there's a handful of people who want to do right by you and represent you and stuff like that. But i found that certain like promoters, bookers, or uh, producers, even like people who couldn't figure out like three bar chords become these people because they mm. really love the music scene. But what happens is, is they're um, there's a word for it too. I can't remember. It's like when you suck somebody's energy right out because you want a piece of what they got. But I, I used to feel that all the time, but like this guy. What is he trying... What's his end goal here? What's he trying to do? Collect money from us or expose us or associate himself with us or... They like to conflate themselves. Mm. Like, it's a very odd feeling.
0: They feel like they're doing you a... I believe they feel like they're doing you a big, big... big they're cutting you a break.
1: Yeah, that's the worst. I'm cutting you a break. Yeah. It's like, oh, thanks for... from.
0: Thank you for letting me charge all my friends $10 to come in to see us play for 40 minutes.
1: Yeah, I hated that, man. I hated that. On a Thursday at 10 o'clock. On a Thursday at 10 o'clock. Yeah. I mean, like. I don't understand like why music venues, and there's a handful out there right now that are just following the same bored, boring like type of like, uh, okay, here's the music venue and here's the bar. I don't understand why there's not more things in these like, establishments. Like you're here in Country Hocken where we record the Bobcast. Leighton Parker Furniture has been open. It's on 1st Avenue. If I had the money, I would turn it into a club. I would turn it into a venue. I'd have the music in the back, but then I would also create something in the front that's like, you know, a nightclub, social scene, something that's different that nobody has seen. I mean, they've got these uh, throw-to-axe bars down Philly. they got arcade bars. I mean, there's other ways to get people in Just be, than, you know, being like, oh. I mean, like, the old Grape Street was a good mm-hmm. example of that. You could have the live music on the far side, and then you could have the Hoochie Mamas dance on the other side, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like a nightclub scene, but... I don't really know many places like that no more. Then again, I don't really go out no more. So, <laughs>
0: a lot of, I think it was probably two years since I've been out of like the club circuit, <clears throat> and a lot of them I don't think they've really changed very much. Mm-hmm. Um, some really cool bars, but it's still you've got your your venue spot, and then you've got your food and restaurant spot. And I, I saw bigger. That seems to be the bigger change is that there are these bars that are offering you, you know, roasted Brussels sprouts so you can go and have like a nice, you can go to the place to have dinner. And it just so happens on the other side of the wall, if you got a few bucks, you can go see a show.
1: I love roasted Brussels sprouts. Well, everybody like, does. Not everybody. Some yeah. people hate them. I love them. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. I'll pay. What's the most you would pay for roasted Brussels sprouts? Um probably like ten ninety nine, eleven yeah. ninety nine just for you know, but I like doing it myself. I roast yeah. myself, you know. Um
0: twelve bucks. Uh, but it, 12, better have
1: yeah, it better have some like onions all, in there. The seasonings. My mom likes to like put soy sauce in it. I don't really I just like it like, you know, seared. You know, There's something good about that vegetable and like it's maybe it's just a pent-up aggression being a kid not liking it and then discovering later in life jesus it's so good you know all vegetables are good for you there's not one vegetable out there that i don't like i don't think You're evolving yeah i'm definitely evolving you know getting older i guess i'm a dad now so it's just a lot different i gotta think differently but you know the, the theme though is like it's weird the, mu- the music thing just like it's like a it's like you're a serial killer or something and you've been killing people for years and you put it away. And then all of a sudden, one day, you're going to like cut some like lettuce up and you pull out the drawer and there it is. There's the knife. But in our case, it's like, you know, the bass, the guitar, the drum. You were talking to who was your last guest, the comedian? Uh, Tom. Tom. Okay. That's what I
0: thought. Yeah. You guys were talking about you go to a show and, and you articulated something that I've always felt. And and I can never really express it. I mean, I felt it. Mm-hmm. So you go to any—I hate going to concerts because I don't want
1: to be in the audience. It's the worst. I hate being in the middle of a crowd. I hate it because it's just like I know what's going on up there. I know everything too, and I can't—I can't even enjoy it because I'm dissecting the sound. Mm-hmm. I'm dissecting uh, the guitar player that, like, you know, Beck hired on tour. Like, yeah, yo, slow your roll here, okay, buddy. Beck's the star. What are you doing <laughs> over there with all that distortion grind? You know, like. I, it's hard it's hard to see that you know
0: I, I had always felt that way even remember I was like 15 years old I saw Weezer at the uh, electric factory wow. uh, and I did not enjoy it I went back to the payphone I called my friend Kate I told her I'd call her so she can hear I remember Weezer. that payphone by the way Yeah. I, called her, I was like hey I'm at the Weezer show she's like oh how is it I was like fucking snare drums too loud
1: yeah yeah. and yeah. I was like well here I'll just put I'm gonna put the phone up and just listen for a couple songs you know mm-hmm. um, there's nothing worse when the sound sucks cause you're just like oh my and like in most cases now you're spending like 70, 80 bucks for that ticket mm-hmm. um, Black Keys saw them at the whatever that is the, the big stadium they sucked yeah they were so were they bad. bad or was the sound just bad it was this they just shouldn't have been there you mm. know like the, that the band wasn't big enough the duo it was the it was the drums really for me it, it was so like it sounded like his entire kit was palm muted you know what mm. i mean like it was just not there and i, I love that album it was the brothers tour right and i was like oh this has gotta be so good um a couple, occasionally there's a concert that blows me away you know who blew me away because it was like, you know, I'd always go and see, like, similar to you, like, bands, like, on stage, and that's it. Uh, Lady Gaga. When I saw Lady Gaga, I was like, holy shit. Okay. What was it
0: about it? Her? The fact that
1: she sings and she dances and she performs, and there's, like, yeah. dramatics, like, there's the skits, like, you know, but, like, her voice was really good live. And I'd seen her twice uh, at the Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. And the first time I saw it, I was like, She had, like, this, like, you know, old-fashioned, like, you know, I guess what the 80s were like when they had, like, you know, the castle on stage and, like, just the production was great and the sound that was just so crisp, you know? She always struck me as someone that, that really knew what the fuck they were doing she's talented and then the second time I saw her um, she took it a little further it was for that Art Pop album the one now where she's pulling the song from R. Kelly you know Mm -hmm. where she she was pushing the envelope and there was like just flying dildos everywhere yeah it was fun because with my dad my dad was like wow what the fuck is this I'm like I love it it's Lady Gaga (laughs) let's get these (laughs) um yeah, that was that was like a exciting thing. I'm about to go see Queen, uh, featuring Adam Lambert this summer. I'm a big Queen fan. I, God, I hope it's good. You know, I hope <laughs> that they sound good. I hope the sounds right there. But <laughs> I kind of know that you know I'll be disappointed because it's not Freddie. But I mean,
0: I'd be going for Brian May. I want to hear those sweet
1: uh, guitar yeah. licks. Brian May live is what. I, and plus, I'm a big fan of Roger. I love Roger. Mm. Um, Roger without Roger's voice, Queen wouldn't be. I don't think would it. You know. The responsive under pressure. You know, he's got this one song called Fun It. If you love Queen, check mm-hmm. it out. It's awesome. It's great, great riff. But yeah, it's so hard as a musician to sit there and watch these things. Like, I gotta go see... Uh, I just said, I gotta go see. I'm going to see Muse uh, in a couple months, I think. And I, I really want to go because they also have something like that, like the light show type thing. But it's just hard. I'd rather watch it on TV.
0: Instead of going the whole... I think part of it is, is being a musician and knowing every, all of that and then also wanting the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't need to be a star, but I, I feel way more comfortable up on stage performing. Oh, yeah. It's probably why maybe we were drawn to being teachers as well. I'd um, rather be at the front than the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just getting older, it's like, ah, I got to park. You got to wait in line.
1: Yeah. yeah. I
0: saw Radiohead last summer. And the only way I got a couple of my friends to go, and like, Radiant Head's their favorite band. Mm-hmm. Like, they're nutso about them. I was like, all right, all the tickets are the same price. So, hear me out. We'll get Club Box. You got your own bathroom, you got your own bar, and you, you there's no people. Um, just, uh, there's ways to do it, just uh, not at every show.
1: Every ticket price was the same? 81 bucks. Wow, that's pretty cool. Anywhere in the house, yeah. just had to get on there? Yeah, and
0: everybody was yeah. like, general admission, they want to get up front. I was like, no, mm-hmm. I went. I want the club box. That's, that's the same where price. it was for
1: Black Keys. Yeah. For the exact same reasons. Just at the moment, I said, the mobile it was like, they got a bathroom, they yeah. got a bar. <laughs> we don't have to be around these this yep. Um I got a seat that's got my number on it. I know. And it's so hard because I really love music, but I just can't. <sighs> I feel the same way like after I learned that uh, I went back to school in 2010 to learn the art of screenplay writing and then I started going to the theater and just not enjoying it the first time around just because I was looking at you know inciting incident and, you know midpoint all these parts of a script
0: oh, it's so formulaic
1: yeah every movie is the same mm-hmm. I mean not all of them per se. I mean some break the non-structural format, but uh yeah, you know. it's really odd, man. Like if you you turn on any film and you, you set your phone timer for 15-16 minutes, that's when, you know, they show up and tell Neo uh, that the Matrix exists. You know, what I mean like it's the, it's the part that sets the whole movie off, you know?
0: Yeah, we um in my I teach a creative writing course mm-hmm. and we spend uh, we actually spend a great deal of time on uh, a plot structure and I use mm-hmm. movies because kids they're not reading novels um, and movies just work so much better I can mm-hmm. grab them and they can understand how a story works and it's a small joy when it, it doesn't happen every year but sometimes kids are they come and like man you ruin movies for me I know right <laughs> it's like, great when you ruin it for somebody yeah. like yeah it's like I've opened your eyes
1: <laughs> you should have taken the blue pill This is when, uh, you know, like I guess John McClane tries to get in touch with his wife and then the terrorists show up at 15 minutes in, you know, but I think when when you're an artist, though, it's like part, it's part of your, I mean, if you're truly studying any craft, I think it's your duty and your responsibility to, to study, you know, I mean, music, obviously, but like being a writer, you know, I mean, you got to read books, you know, like uh, the last episode, I think I was talking about David Foster Wallace have you have you read *Infinite Jest*?
0: No, I don't think I ever will. Yeah, don't. his his fans ruined it for me. Every person who who has read David Foster Wallace, whose writing I have read, I can yeah. tell that they've read David Foster Wallace without me ever having read David Foster. That, Wallace. That's
1: the thing that I would say. Um, like when I read uh, *Panic Years*, like. Your writing's very. It's I could follow it right off the bat. I was yeah. like, oh, this is this is going to be a joy. I can't wait to read it. And thank you thank also too by bringing me a hard copy yep. tonight because uh, I'm still old fashioned like that. I still go to like the paperback trader and stuff like that. Uh, I also still go to the comic book store. Uh, I'm playing with me mall, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing your uh, your history heirloom there. Up on the right. <laughs> Up on the right. Um, but uh, I really liked the documentary, or excuse me, the film about it. And then I was like, I got to get the book. I got to get it. And I, I, I'm still reading it. And then after I did last week's podcast, I went back last weekend and it was like, all right, let me just get a couple of chapters down. Yeah. And I'm just like, Jesus, how does somebody talk that much in depth about a tennis racket?
0: David, which, which book? Infinite, Infinite just? Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, Jesus,
1: dude.
0: I'm sure he was really, really good at it. Uh, and mm-hmm. he broke the mold. The problem is, it's the imitators, and there's. I think that happens in a lot of art forms, where the original gets imitated so much that people stop dislike. Uh, people start disliking the original. Um, it's happened with, uh, you know, say like the Matrix, right? The, they broke the mold with that camera, with the camera trick, the three sixty. Uh, the bullet, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then
1: everybody used it, and now it's corny. Mm-hmm. It's corny. And people, but the first time you saw it, you're yeah. like, "Holy shit!" It's funny you say that. Uh, I saw it at 309 Cinema, and I remember thinking, "This shit's too loud. It's too." I kept like looking back at the projector, like, "Please turn this shit down." It's at like 24 dBs. I am ready to lose it. Is this you know? when you're like 19? Yeah, yeah. Even then, I was just like that. This is, I'm not enjoying this right now. Somebody help me, please. But yeah, it's on how things. Uh, I think for me, like uh, with writing. Um, I guess when I was in school in Plymouth White Marsh High School, writing was introduced to me in a way, or reading, excuse me, in a threatening way. Like you got to read this, and you got to make sure you put the book report in. So I didn't really read much until I got out of school. Then I started reading, and the first thing that got me was uh, Kurt Vonnegut because it was so easy. I was just like, oh, sounds I can write. like a guy. It's it sounds just, like somebody I yeah. know, mm-hmm. and I could relate to it. And I must have read slaughterhouse Five five uh, several times. I, I can't even count. And then after that, I was like, "Oh, writing's—it's something fun to do. It's mm-hmm. something that I can dig my feet in the sand on the beach and like tune out, you know." It's often used as a punishment yeah, when and, kids are yeah. young, and it's—it's mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. Well, it it changed be. though. I mean, what changed for 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 kids though? And you can t- attest to this too. I guess it was like 2002 or excuse me, three when Harry Potter books came out. Mm. And I remember thinking like, what the, what's Harry Potter? You know, like, and but I the remember... The first one being, was 97. Okay, so it was 97. Yeah. So, so for me, teaching wise though, like being in, like I was at graduate in 98 and then I start being in front of a class, I guess, 2002, 2003. And I remember the books were still coming out. I can't remember which one came out then, but uh, I remember the like, kids were all about it. You know, I was just like, oh, this is exciting. You know, like it's, something's been tapped into here. And then... Uh, years later, the Twilight series came out. Mm-hmm. I, I worked at a middle school then. And I remember that, you know, everybody wanted to be a vampire for yeah. like a, a whole year. And then, uh, I guess Diary of a Wimpy Kid, you know? And, and like, I don't remember, um, I remember growing up and like having the great Gatsby or, uh, Lord of the Flies in front of me, but I don't recall anything in the late eighties, early nineties that was directed towards, young kids at that time I, I mean i maybe i was just oblivious to it because i was playing atari 2600 or something like that
0: were you a reader as a kid during that time no no, yeah. no. so maybe you i missed was not
1: it. I, I missed it you know and but i feel bad haven't... but i read to my son now and yeah. it's like important that like you know i want him to be able to enjoy and, and also enjoy it in the um physical format you know i, I, re, I mainly read comics just because okay. was, i was more of a visual type person you know i guess i'm trying to think late 80s because i yeah well it's like the biggest i mean i need an assistant that'd be great yeah. <laughs> Bringing it up what was the top book uh benicula well, <laughs>
0: yeah um plant that ate dirty socks like there were these middle oh yeah middle yeah. school
1: books that like well, every kid has read what would you say is like the one book I and mean, it could be from your childhood your teenage years or even your adult years the one that you know you look at it and you're just like with fine regard like this is what inspired me or not even inspired you, mm. but just something that's like, yeah, that's that's my jam.
0: Yeah, there, there's there's a, there's a few. Um, my favorite book is is still Great Expectations um, by Charles Dickens. In mm-hmm. case mm-hmm. Uh,
1: uh, something a little bit more contemporary, we can talk about Dickens. Dickens yeah. got it all. I mean, like the the, the way the those books were written it just felt I mean like that was a I don't know how many years ago but it still feels like it could happen today you know like in a different like context that I mean I remember reading um, well, uh well
0: arguably yeah. things are moving back towards that in a, in a weird way yeah. um there's plenty of websites out there where people serialize uh like their fan fiction or just their their, their non-fan fiction mm-hmm. just their regular their, their work um so that's that's a harkening back to like 1850 yeah. Victorian England. Yeah, yeah. I think Grace potatoes came out in 1853. Is it
1: 1853? Yeah. I uh, I, I, I want to be alive during that time. I think I was talking about that last. Nah, no, you'd time. have like. I die. You'd have diarrhea. I, I die. I poop. Yeah. I, you could die from diarrhea. Actually, yeah. it could kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just I just would like to go under the preface of not knowing how bad everything is. You know, I'd like to just ignorance. Live. Just, yeah, pure, just just give me, just give me the horse. Let me get on it. Let me get going. (laughs) You know, like have black teeth, like stained up, you know, not care because you haven't seen a mirror in like two, three years. That's just the way it is. You don't even yeah. give it a second. There's no
0: web MD to make you think you're. Uh, oh, you you do not even know what the thing is. It's Googling, just...
1: Googling like disease yeah. or like oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, it never goes good. You like you never Google something that's happening to you, and it's like you're fine. Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. It's like oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> you may need to call the doctor. And that's what you've got. And you will have it for the rest of your life. Um, with your book, um, I know that writing is rewriting. Uh, you're never really done, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and obviously, you are done when you have it, you know, either up on the screen or a book in front of you. What did it take for you to become content with the final product of the Panic Years? Deadline. You had a deadline, your yeah. publisher gave you one. What was that like, having a deadline? Uh, good and bad. Mm-hmm. It was really good to.
0: Have a time frame to go back through it again and do any final things mm-hmm. that I that I wanted to do, and then know that I'm done. And the bad part was that exact same reason: mm-hmm. this is going to get published, and then it's going to be out there forever, and you can't change it. Um, arguably, another press could pick this up, or an agent could read this and, and pitch it to like a you know a big five, mm-hmm. one of the houses. And they're going to want to do their own edits. So um, it could see a second life in that regard. Um, most likely won't. So like, what you're getting is is the best I could have done mm-hmm. at that point in my life.
1: Yeah. It, I feel as if the older I got, the more easier it was to accept that. When mm-hmm. I was younger, I, I had OCD when it came to... Certain, like, I can't, I can't finish this. I, I don't want it to be final. Well,
0: the more experience you get, you're... Mm-hmm. you're, you're your first drafts your bad stuff yeah. it gets incrementally better or exponentially better I should say mm-hmm. so you're you're happier with uh, I don't want to call them like your your small efforts because you've got a wealth of experience and knowledge behind uh, be behind those efforts
1: that's true so it's an odd thing being a writer because it's like you're 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 seeing the world and then you're sharing it with other people and you're hoping that they relate to it you know and uh if you're doing your job right if you're doing your job right i I mean as an artist i feel like that duty like constantly in a way it's like how do i share this with other people you know what what i'm feeling right now i want people to also feel and i think that's some of the best writing and with your book i felt that without a doubt because it was just like oh yeah i totally get this you know what i mean like being a band and like the struggle you know um i won't spoil the last line of the book, but I did read the last line of the book and I totally related towards that because yeah. it's it's a. Well, I shouldn't say, I don't want to spoil it, but I could just say I de- definitely dug that. I was like, okay, now I'm just like a total fan. Are you working on anything else right now? Yeah.
0: Did you finish the whole book or you just read the last line?
1: Well, I wanted to, like, I, I got about. Um, I think I got about like 64 in the PDF, but I was want like at my job. I got two mm-hmm. computers. So I had it on the left and I was doing my editing on the right. And then today, I mean, I read uh, all about you on the internet and then I was like, Oh, I got to see what's going on here on the last page. Does this end optimistically? And without spoiling anything, I could just tell you it's a great read and you got to pick it up. We'll have the link here at the bottom. And you know, anytime that we can bring credence to local artists here on the Bobcast, it's always a good thing. You know, I mean, I I'm happy to be in the company of anybody that considers themselves an artist, musician, or creator, you know, and to actually write something and to publish it—it's a special thing, man. My friend uh, Steve Brandsdorfer was the first person that ever handed me a book that he wrote, and I remember just looking at him and being like, "Dude, you got to sign the book for me. You got to sign the book for me before we go to, because that's a—it's an important thing, you know. Like you're leaving your mark. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a piece of you out there that'll, you know, exist." Long, long after you leave this this planet, and I think that's yeah. the coolest thing about you know writing or art in general.
0: I feel almost more proud about the book than I do anything music. Uh, and that could be a whole another conversation mm-hmm. about how your friends or just the general public re- regard our music. Mm-hmm. That you spent uh, arguably more time of crafting and making sure it's right, but it's it's dismissed. Your friends. They'll, they'll, they're never like streaming your stuff in their car, but like my book, people I get texts still. Like I'm still thinking about your book. It's so good. It was the best one I read last year. Like you know, from people that I know, um, they could just be being nice. But I don't remember having any anything An like, like, like that, that. with mm-hmm. music. It's interesting.
1: It is interesting. I think um, the written but, word is more powerful than music. I would I would argue yeah in a way. I mean books are more. I guess pop culture music hasn't been around long enough i mean you can't compare dickens to michael jackson words there. apparently uh hbo's got a new documentary coming out called uh leaving neverland uh and um the michael jackson estate today just shot back shame on you hbo don't you remember all the specials that michael did for you and now you're gonna paint him as this pedophile because that's what's in is uh you know uh telling everybody what they know already like with the r kelly thing Mm -hmm. i still can't get over that shit like we've known for years he's been like this and now all of a sudden a tv show comes out and then you want to go get him go get everyone that's been that way man not just one you know i hate that about america america's like ah well i'm not really gonna believe it until i see it in the entertainment form like there's facts you know it's it's a
0: sad uh byproduct of of an overcorrection
1: yeah um
0: i not saying that R. Kelly being called out is an overcorrection by any means, but... Uh, oh, he's
1: guilty, without a doubt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah He's yeah. guilty. Yeah.
0: Um, but it needs to be sensational.
1: Yeah. What's up with that? Just why can't you just say the guy's fucked? But yeah, and... we process everything in this sensational, like, aspect now. It's like, yeah. oh, it, it's got to be over the top. And that's why Trump is perfect for this mm-hmm. this time and age, is because he fits the mold from what everybody really wants. Everybody wants... The president to be serving fast food in the white house and to talk shit on it or to give you know cra- like i it's just such a confusing time i don't know who's <laughs> gonna step up to the plate to go against him people are all pissed off on the internet and i'm like look he ain't out yet he is probably gonna win again because he's got all the power you know what i mean like he's got the government shut down for christ's sake which is insane it's People aren't getting paid. Yeah. Somebody's, I think a snoop said, he was like, well, fuck you motherfuckers if you think that, you know, you're going to vote for uh, Trump again when you ain't getting a paycheck next Friday. It's like, what? Like, ah, it just doesn't make sense. He's making them go back to work. He's forcing people to go back to work. It's The whole idea about a wall, like the wall, Jesus Christ. I mean, like El Chapo dung a hole through his jail. You know, like like he dug a tunnel, a tunnel. I mean, why can't Mexico build stairs on the other side? just get stairs and then have a hang glider boom you're over you know like
0: and I forget know. all the the data saying that most drugs are not coming over yeah. the border
1: yeah it, it, it's insane i mean I think it's just rapists that come over the board. Yeah, Let's just it, clear that up. I mean, when I was younger, um, I worked several different jobs, some with uh, in the same proximity as you and some not. But some of the, the nicest people I ever met were from Mexico. Mm. You know, I think about this guy, Florencio, that I worked with when I was 25. He's got to be like at least in his 50s now. That dude worked all day long, sent his entire paycheck back to his family Didn't sleep probably. Look, he had bags under his eyes. He he didn't care because he knew that he was making the money that would make his family happy. And I can't say that much about most people that I work with or, you know what I mean? Like they don't understand that really the most important thing is family. Mm -hmm. Not your job, not your car, you know?
0: the first time i had my eyes open to uh what the real immigrant story is i mean my family's immigrants mm-hmm. I, I knew that but i like third generation i was born in south philadelphia you know mm-hmm. like a, a white south Philadelphian italian like mm-hmm. in i'm home you know um when we were working together at voice effects there was a guy miguel oh and, my god i haven't thought of miguel in forever yes yeah, there you go um He used to give me rides to work and and sometimes home. He came from Guatemala when he was like 19 years old, didn't speak English. And I was like, why? He's like, because it was so bad. Like, you would get killed. And he would tell me these stories just about his way of life and how he came to America to learn English. It's crazy. He spent years learning English. And then he got the job and he was still in school, just working so hard. And I was like, wow, this... There, there is something special about about this country, and uh, the people that actually want to come in to this country. He's he didn't
1: he wasn't like a freeloader. No, none of the none of the people I ever worked with were He's like that. Want a better life because a better life stuff is that's why my great grandparents came over. Yeah, I wish every place in the world was like what we say the American dream is. You know, mm. everywhere should be like that, and we also should have. Uh, who was I talking? About? I think it was Joe Rogan talking about it yesterday about uh universal like uh, I forget what he calls it universal life payment where everybody gets thirty five Gs a year and that takes care of all your food and shelter. Mm. That'd be
0: great. Where's the money come from? When you start talking yeah, about yeah, those programs, that's the other
1: thing too. It's odd that I could never contemplate because I suck at math, really. But like money, where does it come from? We invented that shit. Okay, mm. we invented <laughs> money. It's not like God. Or like the ocean or like some forest was like, look, you can't get in here unless you have money. You know what I mean? Like we made this up because we used to just trade stuff or like, you know, barter or something like that. And then we were like, okay, so let's, we have to back it up with gold. Do we even know if the gold's there in Fort Lauderdale? We don't know. I don't actually believe in gold. I I think the gold's in, it's gone from Die Hard 3. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's, it's off the Federal Reserve and it's on the truck somewhere. Like I don't believe in any of that. You know, I don't believe that we need like, yeah, I guess we do all this material stuff. You know what I mean? Like computers, TVs and stuff like that. But it would be nice, though, if everybody had their their housing and their food taken care of. And nobody deserves to be homeless. Mm -hmm. Nobody, especially even like immigrants, you know, like if if there's an illegal immigrant here, you know, and I read this article about how illegal immigrants actually even pay their taxes, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they're getting paid. Yeah. 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 Um, It it just sucks. I mean, we can't figure something out, you know, like, come on, all this. I mean, as a musician, I I traveled quite a bit and I've Mm -hmm. seen the middle of the country. There ain't shit out there in the middle. There's so many things that we could build, Mm -hmm. do for these people, help them. Because if we do build the wall, you know, in which I don't know if they're, who knows if it's going to happen or not, um... It's just gonna put the wrong message out there you know i mean we took this shit from the native americans man like we we stole that shit. like you don't believe in jesus you're dead you know what i mean like and i taught history to kids yeah and i used to teach that you know i mean i used to teach you know you probably got a perspective that just drives you insane oh it sucks it sucks i mean like it's just because like you know i don't believe that anyone's the best i don't believe that anybody um, is entitled to stuff I hate entitlement Oh, it's, I shouldn't say the word that I hate but I dislike entitlement anytime I feel entitlement or if I see somebody acting that way it is the most biggest turn off for me and if they're entitled and they, they treat somebody else bad that's when I really snap mm. I snap I just can't handle it I'm just it's like a ethics vigilante I just go after them and uh, I've even done it at the expense of my own job once. I've gotten fired for it because I stuck up from somebody. I stuck up for a guy named Jorge at Panera Bread. Um, so I just would like to see more compassion across the board, you know. And I think it's, you know, it's hard for people who are not in touch with their feelings or their emotions, you know. I'm an artist, so I guess I was granted those abilities. But, I mean, I've just met so many closed-minded individuals lately.
0: Everybody's struggling. Yeah. Whether they're... It's how they... Um, let that manifest itself in their everyday lives and some people they like just to blame and lash out because life's yeah. hard and they think that they deserve it better they feel entitled because they're struggling but everybody is and some people choose to uh, be bigoted about it and place blame and some people they, they take that struggle and they turn it into art some people they turn it into um, you know like civic engagement mm. they, they realize let's fix it you know, yeah. most people they don't. They just no. like to complain and point at the problem instead of
1: offering a solution. Instead of offering a solution, and it's not actually help with the solution. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's. I don't know if it's going to get better or worse. It seems to me it's just going to get worse. You know, like I, th- I was talking to a friend yesterday about this, and I, th- I think we're in a in a
0: great state of overcorrection on both mm-hmm. sides, and I think it will. I think it will self-correct. It might take a little while Mm -hmm. and it might get a little rough. Um, I mean, it already is rough.
1: I just hope it gets better. You know, I hope it gets better for my kid. That's the thing. I didn't really care about anything until I had a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to like the future. Like when I didn't have somebody that I love so much, I was just like, I'll just take it as it comes. You know, whatever comes my way, I'll just be me. And now I don't even like think like me. Like when I first had my son, like I used to like dream as my son, which is really weird. So many different things. When you become a parent, you're just like, I'm not going to be, get used to this. And especially being an educator too, like, you know, about the whole school shootings and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. It's just terrifying. I, 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 I saw it beginning, you know, I remember in 99 Columbine and then slowly and surely thereafter, I start to see, especially my first year student teaching. I could, I think I might've helped maybe three or four kids from potentially going mad I'm not saying uh, help them from not coming into school and shooting it up but like they were pissed man Mm -hmm. and they had nobody to talk to you know and um, I would pull them out of class take them in the hallway and be like yo you're fucking up you know just say the F word once and boom they'd be like oh wow Mr. Kale's like me it's a real person yeah he's like me you know and I feel good about that that I was able to help kids um, be able to Take care of their anger and try to funnel it into something that's not violence against others. You know, most because people, it, it's easy to do that. Really, they don't have
0: the mechanism to. I going to say most people, because I don't know most people. My impression is that people generally don't have the mechanism to to funnel their anger and that struggle into something productive, because it's easier to to tear down. Yeah, and they I mean, feel shitty about it. <laughs> it, it doesn't sucks. make you feel better.
1: It really sucks. And then you
0: need me. the next hit.
1: Yeah, it could it could be the next uh, catalyst for the next Nirvana here on the bomb cast. <laughs> but uh that uh we're out of time for this evening. I wanna thank you, uh, Dan, for coming. Um you can check out his book, The Panic Gears, the link's down below. You can get yourself a digital copy, you can get a hard copy like me. You could uh relish in the fact that you could read a book in bed, you could read a book, um uh, at your desk at work, pretend that you're working. You can read a, a book quite about anywhere, um, especially something that um, I could relate to, music. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing the written word with us. Thanks for having me on. Of course, my name is Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast.